Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you so much for being here. This week on the podcast, we're excited to have an Oscar winner in Roger Ross Williams. Williams is a documentary filmmaker whose career in storytelling began in the form of journalism. From 1985 onward, he produced investigative segments for ABC News, NBC News, MSNBC, BBC, and CNN. Basically, if the network had a B or C in its title, Williams worked for them. His ethos then was the same as it is now, present the truth no matter the cost. For Roger, whose childhood is so complex that I'll let him explain it in this episode, truth was, and still is, everything to him. In a world of uncertainty, Williams needed facts, some small amount of honesty that made sense. He eventually left journalism for cinema, making a series of unique documentary shorts that led him to music by prudence. The film is about disabled Africans who find meaning and joy in the music they make, led by the titular Prudence. However, the short doc made front-page headlines for all the wrong reasons. Upon accepting his award at the Oscars for Best Documentary Short, Williams was Kanye'd by a producer on the film, Eleanor Burkett. Mid-speech, Williams is interrupted. Full stop. It has gone down as one of the most uncomfortable Oscar moments in the show's history. We dive into all that in the conversation you're about to hear. What's important to note, though, is that Williams moved on and made other projects. Most recently, he's the director behind the Oscar-nominated feature-length documentary, Life Animated. 
It's a moving story about an autistic child who discovers language through Disney films. Here's a clip from the trailer. We're beginning to give up hope. And one day we're watching the Disney animated movies. And he says he doesn't want to grow up like Mowgli or Peter Pan. What the hell just happened? And all of a sudden it became clear to us. He's using these movies to make sense of the world he actually is living in, our world. So at that point, we began to... For context, this conversation was recorded yesterday while Williams was on his uh, exhaustive Oscar publicity tour for the movie. Um, all filmmakers who are trying to buy for a golden statue uh, have to keep, you know, keep the momentum alive. And so it was good to finally sit down and I think get away from some of the typical conversations you have when you have seven to 12 minutes with people and you're doing radio spots and you're on TV and you can't really dive into stuff in any real detail. And um, I think this one turned out well. Like I mentioned, we talk about the complexities and unusual nature of his childhood, uh, the kerfuffle at the Oscars a few years ago, and a lot more about being ambitious and aspiring to be more than what people are going to tell you to be. And uh, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. So, finally, here is Roger Ross Williams. I want to talk about the idea of you seeing yourself as an outsider. Is yeah. that is that a fair characterization of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I've always been an outsider. I um, grew up in a very religious community. Um, my father actually was a the, the head deacon in a church, and my family are all pastors. And um, I was this. Uh, um, you know, closeted gay kid who couldn't... What age, and I think we went over that the last time we spoke, but what age did you find yourself knowing, like, I'm interested in men? I think, it, you know, birth. Birth? Uh, I think I you always born, knew that. You were born, you got out, and Roger was like, yeah, I don't I don't want... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you know, um, it, it took me a while to accept it, but I knew always that I was, a, you know attracted to men so so as long as early as I can remember being um you know like having uh, being attracted to someone else mm -hmm. you know that's what I was attracted to. Do you remember to. the first person you were attracted to? Well I kind of rem you know it's funny because I was just back at my um I was back in my high school filming for this documentary I'm doing for CNN um, and I was going through the yearbook right. with, and um, and I saw there was this guy. I don't even know if I can say his name. Um, Maybe say his first name. His name was Pete. Okay. And um, I was totally in love with Pete. Like I was <laughs> like, um, uh, and I remember Pete having no idea because we were like young. It was uh, sixth grade. And we were like holding, you know, like you just hold hands with your friends. Like I don't know, you, you just, yeah. we were like holding hands and hanging out. We, I mean, we were hanging out by the river and we were holding hands. And I was like, "You're," I was like, "You're in, my." Hold on, in in sixth grade. Yeah, that's like what twelve. Yeah, I feel like that's like people kind of know what's going on at that point. Yeah, and I was totally in love with him. And I would go home, and I remember, and I would draw pictures of him. Of I would draw pictures of us like together. 
like as a as a as like a couple. Mm. I don't know if we were having sex in the pictures, but like, um, I don't know what you know. It was, but it was there was sexual. There was it definitely was sexual for me, and um, was this a white kid? He was a German kid. Ah, he's a white Ger- German kid wrestler. <laughs> German wrestler. Oh, I, I think the wrestling part played into your imagination. Yeah, so that played into a huge part of my fantasy. Um, and then I think he caught on to it because, like, he started distancing himself because I start people started becoming suspicious of me. Mm. Like they were like, "He's not that good in sports. He's he's he hangs around with girls too much." Um, he's like a mama's boy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all those things. And then when my family, they were like. I would hear my like grandfather saying to my mother, "That boy's going to be a sissy if you don't lay off of him." You know, like you you baby him too much. You know, why isn't he playing sports? What's wrong with him? He's mm-hmm. not a man. Would your parents like try to force you into sports? No, my mother was so I was a mama's boy, so so she was so um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say she was accepting of my sexuality, but she was she just kind of accepted me for who I was. So she's like, he's not into sports. He's, uh, he likes to read and he likes to be alone and stay in his room and draw things and live in his own world. Hmm. And your father? I didn't have a father. Um, my mom was a single mother. Uh, I didn't find my father until I was, um, uh, only like maybe 15 years ago. And this is, Really funny because the reason I found my father was because of Ron Suskind, the subject of Life Animated and the author of the book and Owen Suskind's father. So Ron... Who you've been friends with for a long time. Yeah. Ron and I were were doing a show together called um, Life 360. It's interesting. Life Animated, Life 360. And... um, Was this for CNN? It was for... PBS okay. produced by ABC. So we were working at ABC News um, producing a series. And it was a one, it was based kind of loosely based on this American life where we would take one topic and we would tell a number of different stories around a, a topic. And this one was um, family secrets. And um, um, my mother had been married and, and uh, I had a brother, older brother and sister, and she had an affair. Her and the guy I thought was my father were not getting along, and she had an affair with the head deacon of the church, and I was the product of that affair. And I was the only one who didn't know. It was the the most open secret. The whole town knew that I was the head deacon's son, but I didn't know, obviously, growing up. And then my best friend told me when I was, like, 13, like, on the school, like, kind of on the playground, like, like, you know, your father's not your real father. Your father's... um, um, Deacon Deacon Davis and I was like I didn't I couldn't process this so I went home and asked my mom and she's like yeah it's true and you, not only that but he's been supporting you your whole life secretly and I mean I'm I'm just like <laughs> and uh, dumbstruck by it. I mean it, it's it's an astonishing it's hard to process that it's hard to process that when you're a kid it's hard to process that when you're an adult and it was and Ron was like you need to find your father and you need to meet him and you need to talk to him and uh why don't you do one of the 
Why let's do an hour on family secrets and we'll and we'll do that. And I was like, wait, great. This is a way I can I can find my father and I don't have to emotionally connect because I'm I have the cameras to protect me and it's and it's for television so I can be really fake. That didn't that was so stupid because I, I was emotional emotional wreck. I cr- I cried a lot. The cameras did not protect me emotionally and I um ended up having this really sort of um pretty pretty disastrous um experience yeah but it was a long time coming i mean when you heard that as a kid i want to get back to you as an adult reapproaching this but when you're hearing that at age 13 what is your thought process like what what you go home and your mom is like yes this is what's been happening do you say hey why why wasn't this public knowledge to me why didn't you sit me down and have this conversation um were you angry with her no you know what? You, you you have to understand the 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 environment where I was living, and my mother um, was a um, a maid, a domestic servant, and she was um, and she mostly cleaned wealthy. Uh, to me, they seem wealthy white people's homes, and um, and she worked in a fraternity house at, at Lafayette College and cleaned the frat house. That was. That was that was an ugly scene, as you can imagine. And um, and I would go with her to work. And so she, but but in her community, in her generation, she never graduated from high school. And her generation, the men were very abusive. You know, mm-hmm. just watch fences. You know, um, it was very August Wilson. And so so the men is abused, that how she described it? Yeah, the men abused the 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 women. The women sort of put up with it everyone had had affairs they 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 took their pain that they she grew up in Charleston South Carolina and they took their and she left to go to Philadelphia for better life you know in the north and she took her pain and and they they would abuse each other emotionally and so I was around a lot of craziness as a kid but I never sort of I was like these people are crazy I can't connect to them I just want to go live in Paris Paris was my 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 escape. I would like create stories of me in Paris. I don't know where that came from or how I got that. Did your mom feel any guilt at all? No. You know, as a matter of fact, my mom was like that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And um you know, that's the way we treated each other and she just told me once I and then but I see when I found out at 13 I sort of filed it away. I couldn't handle it, so I just forgot about it. Right. It was one of those things you got angry about in the moment and then sort of just moved on, went back to math class. And I only saw him. I would see him in... So he went to to a different church um, than my church, but his his cousin, um, Reverend Davis, Reverend Fred Davis, was the pastor. Um, And... um, I saw him once. I only went up to him once in church. He was he was a singer. He sang in the choir. He so was, you would see him at mass, yeah, regularly. I, when we would go to his church to sing, I was in the choir, and and he was a singer, and he was. So we'd go to his church, and we would sing. And I went up to him once, and he gave me um, a twenty dollar bill, which I thought, which was really weird to me, because I was like, oh. He gave me a twenty dollar bill because I'm his kid, and you just give him. A, and it was it was so weird, and I just never thought about it again until I did the piece at PBS, and that twenty dollar bill became symbolic of like a lot of things. Right. 
And what age did you do the piece at, at PBS? Um, this was 15 years ago, so I was, you know, 30s, and I was... Um, so you left this story and this chapter, or rather this part of your life, kind of hidden or behind you for 15 years. Yeah, I left it hidden, and I... But the thing is that when I um, graduated from high school, he had two kids um, around my age who went to the same school as me, but I didn't, oh my God. I didn't, um, I didn't know they were my half brothers and sisters. They knew because there was a whole big confrontation in his family when his wife found out that he had fathered a child and, and um, that the child lives in close proximity. Yeah. And the, the Reverend Fred Davis, the, the was called in to mediate. And I, when I made this short, I go back to the church and I and he goes, I was called in the night she found out. And he was like on his knees saying it was not my kid. And he was, and, um, and he goes, but everyone knew you were his kid. You know, th- my mother wasn't seeing anyone else. Like the, they, and he acknowledged Would they still it. see each other? So he asked her to run away with him um, to New York City, to Brooklyn and um at she, what age i mean i was i was um i was uh young i mean i was you know my her and my um stepfather got divorced pretty pretty much when i was born sure um so she was a single mom and he asked her to run away with her and she said no she couldn't break up his family and she refused so he ran away with one of the young girls in the choir and they they were still together when I when I met him, whatever thirty years later, and For in a piece. trailer. He lived in a trailer in Georgia, in um, Albany, Georgia, and I went to the. And it's funny because there's so many layers to this because Camera Person, which is a film that's um, by KJ, um, I would call her KJ, um, Kristen Johnson. Kristen Johnson. Um, she was shooting. She was filming this piece. So she was encouraging me. She's, I was like, I couldn't go into the trailer. I was nervous. And KJ, you know, like you watch Camera Person and you see like that, you know, the, and she was like my conscience. She was like, you can do this. And, and I went in and I met him and we, it was amazing because we took a road trip to meet my brother, my half brother and sister um, who had assembled 40 members of the family with a banner saying, welcome our brother Roger. And they all assembled to have a huge reunion around me um, being the newest member of the family. And this was all very overwhelming. And they said, you know, this is the story of the black family. You know, people, kids, people turn up. They have family reunions every year. People turn up all the time. They just show up. They just show up and welcome. And we knew about you when we were in high school. We confronted our dad. Um, you know, we knew that you existed. They had reached out to me, and I didn't return their calls because I couldn't handle it. Right. So it was this one behalf of family. Everyone has passed away. Um, my half-brother and sister. What When I found my father, um, I went to the to, to his cousin, Reverend Davis, who's the leader, the, the, the sort of religious leader of our town, and he said, um, the kids couldn't take um, the betrayal. And so your brother, your half-brother hit the bottle and your half-sister hit the Bible. And my brother was an alcoholic who died of alcoholism. 
and my half sister was a pastor, a minister who um, died of cancer um, recently. And um, uh, and my f when I found my father, he said to me, "Now that you found me, there's only one reason why I allowed you to come and film, and that's because I want money from you. I need money, and you need to pay me um, money." And I was like. I thought you wanted to see me because I'm your son, and he's like, "No, I want you to su to support me." And he and um and I so I went outside and, and cried, and then um he got into a car accident a few months later, and he was on his deathbed, and they my half brother and sister said, "Call him, he wants to talk to you." And I called him, and he said, "All thing he could muster the words were send money," and that was the last words that he spoke to me, and then he died. I know. It's like you can't make this stuff up, can you? How do you move on from that? I've never was um, emotionally connected to my father. Mm. Um, I never felt anything. I just felt like my mother was my mother and father, and um, it didn't really... You know, I can detach emotionally. Yeah, but I, but I wonder, you still felt the absence. Oh, yeah. I think that's um, part of my uh, journey. I think that rejection is probably what drives me as a filmmaker, as an artist. I think that I'm constantly trying to prove myself. So, like, I, you know, even, you know. Because one person said they don't want you. Yeah. But isn't that what, and that's why that's the theme in my work. That's why Prudence my first my um first film music by prudence was about a severely disabled girl who without arms or without legs or use of her arms who lived like an animal because her family rejected her because disability is considered witchcraft in zimbabwe where she lived and she lived on the floor like an animal she didn't think she was human until she was rescued by a school who cleaned her up put her in a wheelchair and she started singing and they and she had this incredible singing voice and she realizes that she can lift herself out of this sort of um by through, through art through her music and um i just was blown away by that story and we went all the way to you know the oscars you know i say we went to the three o's oscars obama she performed for obama and was on oprah hmm. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are good o's yeah do you think some of this that happened in your family and in your childhood is a reason why um, you emotionally detach often? Yeah, I do. Um, By the way, I'm making a big assumption, and I don't know you very well. <laughs> you I don't are know, making an assumption. But, but it's an assumption based on our limited interaction and uh, an interview I heard you do with Elvis Mitchell, who mm. you have known for a long time. Oh, yeah. And who pointed out that um, you do a little, a bit of a distancing act. <laughs> Elvis knows me well. Um, and, um, yeah, I do. Though I will say you've been terribly forthright with me and not terribly. L l this I think is a new thing. I think it's good. This is a new, the new Roger. You know, this is a new way of, um, communicating. I mean, communicating and I, I'm like, um, I'm, you know, tr trying to be more in touch with the, the this 
this stuff because I know that I'm like driven to people call me too ambitious. And I've always been called overly ambitious, <laughs> which is like, I think it's like kind of, I was like, is that like kind of race thing? It's like, a race thing. It's a race. It's yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, race. Race is, I, I, I you know how many working. times people have told me that I'm too ambitious? Almost never. And it's not because I'm not trying hard enough or working hard enough. I get called out for being too ambitious all the time. Yeah, who's telling you that though? Uh, other filmmakers say that. Um, uh, I, one of my, I remember I was working for um, TV Nation for Michael Moore on his television show, and I, and I was an associate producer, and I pitched a story, and it got um, he, he he accepted it, and I was gonna I was gonna produce a Michael Moore segment, which is a big deal. Yeah. And I remember the other associate producers, they were like, they were like, he's like a, such a, somebody actually told me a brown noser. Um, but they were like, he's too ambitious. He's so, all my career, every single step of the way. And whenever someone tells me I'm too ambitious, I just get more ambitious. Right. <laughs> what else are you supposed to do? I'm, in, I am, you know, yeah. 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 And become sluggish and <laughs> disinterested. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you sidestepped the comment about me thinking, perhaps are you emotionally detached fairly often? I wouldn't, I mean, you know, Probably a lot of the time uh, that's changing. I mean, I would say when I was younger, I was very emotionally detached. I think, you know, now I'm married. I had, you know, I cried more at my wedding than anyone, like publicly and in every speech. And, you know, I was like crying. Um, Because you were happy? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a wedding. I would think weddings were cheesy things. I was like, oh, weddings. I mean, I... I have a we- I own a wedding venue, you know. So we, like Casper, my husband and I, we actually throw weddings for a living. Um, you know, he he mostly runs that though. Um, but I weddings are beautiful things because it's like everyone who you love is in one place and you're celebrating love, and it's just like a beautiful thing. And I was like an emotional wreck. Mm. <laughs> and that's a good thing, though. That's an amazing thing. Was that when you when you got married? And you had someone that you decided this would be your partner. I'm assuming you guys will be together for a while. Forever. I hope. Yeah. I mean, divorce rates in California are high. Yeah. I live in New York, so they're okay. probably just as high in New York. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, let's, let's assume you're going to be together forever. I don't know what the gay divorce rates are. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> I don't know new. that one. I don't. It's I, don't, too new, too I only soon. know my parents and, and the straight divorce. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Um, gay, gay rates may be different. You're right. I don't know. Probably mm. not. There's probably not enough data out there. There's actually. not because it's just you it's know, and, and the, the, we'll, our marriage will probably be revoked any day now. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, let's be let's be positive. All right. You're gonna stay together. On that day, did you feel like that was the affirmation you needed in terms of feeling valued? Yeah, that was. Uh, that day was, I always say, it was like one of the greatest days of my life. Yes. Um, uh, I did feel valued and I did feel that I had so much love and support around me. And I was like realizing that and that's why I was crying so much. It's <laughs> a good feeling. Yeah. I don't mean that he like replaced your father or anything like that. I just mean someone who's in close proximity to you and on a day to day. You had that now. That you yeah. didn't have previously, yeah. 
It seems like that would be a reason to cry. Yeah, yeah. It was a long time coming. Yeah. So now I understand why, you know. And now I love weddings. So now <laughs> when I used to be, I was so jaded, and I would go up. We have a wedding every Saturday at our barn in the Roxbury Barn in upstate New York. And, and I would, you know, and now I go up and I see all these people crying and joyful, and I'm like, this is wonderful energy. This is mm. great. <laughs> would you consider yourself someone who's positive? I'm very positive, yeah. I think I'm well, I mean, to a cert, to an extent. I'm 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 pretty positive. I'm pretty you know what it is? I'm like childlike. I'm like a big kid. Like I don't really You're a baby. I'm a I'm a baby. I don't feel mature. I don't feel like an I don't feel like an adult. I don't feel like you know, I feel like What about in this conversation? Do you feel like a baby? Sort of. Really? You seem more you're much mature than I am. Uh, uh, <laughs> I Swear, yeah, you're just I, on my show, but trust me, I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I've I, I have this sort of childlike enthusiasm for things, and I think that's a a good thing. Like, I don't really want to grow up. Yeah. I always say, like, I'm like, you know, it's what I. People ask me, "What's your favorite Disney film?" They ask me, and I'm like, I wasn't really into Disney, but if I had, it would probably be like Peter Pan because mm. I don't want to grow up either. Does the enthusiasm for things or ideas translate to enthusiasm for people yeah it depends on you know i get really enthusiastic about um when i'm making a film about the subjects um in the film yeah and there are and i yeah i get you know i get yes i get enthusiastic about about people ideas Mm. places has the work back to that idea of affirmation has the work you've done thus far feel like when you look back on it in the films you've made do you feel validated by them or or the responses to them do the responses validate your experiences um or you as like a documentary filmmaker at large you know yes and no it's for me. It's never enough. It's like a bottomless pit mm-hmm. that. Um, so, so like you know, so like when I won the Oscar for Music by Prudence, I was like, "That's great. You won an Oscar. It's really exciting." But it was it was a doc short, so it's just a short. Sure. And then like let's before we move on, <laughs> let's not let's not gloss over what happened there. And the winner is. Music by Prudence, Roger Ross Williams and Eleanor Burkett. Oh my God. This is amazing. Uh, Two years ago when I got on an airplane and went to Zimbabwe, I never imagined my wildest dreams that I'd end up here. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Isn't that <laughs> so exciting. The classic thing. You know, in a world in which... I wanted to finally get into this with you and square it forever so you never have to talk about this again and we'll link it to everyone who interviews you in the future Yeah. about what happened. Good. Can we do that? Um, yeah, to you, a certain extent. Okay. Do you have faith in me that it's going to be okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have faith in you. I have faith in you. It's um, yeah, yeah, as much as I can um, okay. can talk about. I mean, don't break any like, legal boundaries. Yes. So, <laughs> tell me what happened there. Um, 
I don't know. It was a situation of someone that 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 who is I, this woman for one? Uh, it was a neighbor who um, lived in was a Fulbright and taught in in in, in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and um, I was looking for stories in Africa. So she's like, you know, I know this. I heard of this about. She gave me like a bunch of story ideas. Like she just sent me. She's a journalist, so she sent mm-hmm. me a bunch of story ideas, and and I was like. Oh, this one sounds interesting. So I wrote to the school, and um, and they sent me um, a mini DV tape of Prudence, uh, a little interview they did, right. um, and uh, and her singing, and I started crying watching the. So you know, I'm connected. I see. I I started crying, and <laughs> is um, that the barometer for when you like something? You start crying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I cried a life animated too when when Ron was pitching me the idea. So I started crying, and um, and I was like, oh my god! So I rode to the school and I started this dialogue. But then I was like, oh wait, it's Zimbabwe. How am I going to shoot there? So I um I went to um uh this woman, and whose name I will not be said, and yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I said um the the name is easily found online. <laughs> It also can be searched as a video on YouTube, on CNN. I, I, I know, I know, I'm just kidding. Um, and I said, um, I need, how am I going to shoot in Zimbabwe? I, right. I, like, it's it's illegal to, to, to shoot in Zimbabwe. The New York Times reporter was arrested. And, um, and um, we came up with a plan. To circumnavigate. Yeah, and um, and so, yeah, that's how that's how that started. But then that relationship you know sort of didn't by the time we sort of got through the shooting right and got to the editing phase it was sort of done it was sort of broken what was the problem um just not different visions or i don't know if it was different so much i don't know if different visions or it was it was um you know i don't want to say exactly but um okay well was it like a temperament thing yeah <laughs> yes, yes, let's say that. It's a good way of saying it. The one thing I'm confused about, here, here's my genuine confusion, and it's not about controversy at all. It's um, her description of it, when I watched the video yesterday, I rewatched it. Um, I'm not a fan of her. I'll, I'll put that on the record. I don't, I don't like the aura she, she gives out. But something she said struck me. It didn't ring true with what I know about you and my experience with you. Is that... She said you didn't talk for years. She said you didn't talk from from the project ending to like there was a lawsuit, and then at the Oscars you were sitting next to each other, and even now you won't even say her name. I don't even know her name, but that seemed that didn't fit with my idea of you. Was there a reason you wouldn't? Is was is the silence true for one? Well, no. After after the um, break. We, there was no communication, um, uh, and there was a lawsuit. And after the break, yes, there was there wasn't communication on either part. But that was that was um, you know the the lawsuit was between many different parties, it right. was HBO and different people. So it was, um, uh, and that was sort of early into the editing stage. So there mm-hmm. was so I edited, went through the whole edit of the film and and everything before I even um, had that moment. And you didn't want her input on that. No, there was a total break. There was a, uh, 
we were not working together. And she said that she said hi to you. She would say hi to you, and you would just like ignore. No, her. that's not. That's that's not true. That's not true. No. I just can't. That that to me that this is actually oh, no, where the cure no. comes from. Is like I don't see that unkindness in you. Oh no, 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 no. That's not. That's 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 not true. I you know um, for me I have to um, I have to talk and communicate and I want to have like an amazing working relationship with everyone who's we're working together on a project and right. these films are are hard and if. Um, if I can't have that, if there's if someone is difficult or challenging in any way, um, I there's a per- certain point where I can't. I'm like I I can't. I'm done. Doesn't compute. It doesn't yeah, work. Doesn't work for me. Did Did you see her coming down when you were standing on stage giving your speech? Did you see her walking towards the stage? No, because it's no not. I didn't see her until the moment she came up to the mic and said let the woman speak i that moment is so overwhelming uh, as you can imagine to um you it's it's so overwhelming and 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 i was so excited literally i was excited so i was running and cheering and high-fiving people because i because i had bonded with all these people all week who had been on this journey with me the other filmmakers right. and 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 they were all so happy because they were saying to me the, uh, the other filmmakers were saying to me you know i know that i'm supposed to be rooting for myself but i really want you to win you know like it's so great yeah, we had such nice. a great you know you know the, the 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 other short filmmakers and and so so we were i was high-fiving them as i was running down the aisle and like i was like whoa, whoa. i was like and um and then it was like shock because yeah. we because we had already you know there had been a when you do the um uh nominees lunch which she wasn't at actually they say you should pick one you have to pick one person usually the director to to accept the award it has you have 40 seconds um uh so don't start thanking a lot of you know they tell you all you they go through all that with right. the, with the everyone with all the nominees that's part of the nominees lunch so you know um obviously it was gonna be the director and then the, there's a lot of pr people and they're like don't worry about a thing we have this all under control you know they reassure you i was like uh, i don't know you guys i don't know you, you felt like they didn't know that woman yeah I'll say the things you don't want to say. Don't worry. I got <laughs> I, I got your back here, Roger. <laughs> so you, I mean, the moment is significant. Um, to me, the publicity around it and the, the attention it drew to me is re- absurd, unnecessary, and illuminates nothing at all. Mm. Yeah. What I think is significant is the emotional weight behind working towards something for a long time. And then have someone literally at the moment in which you are accepting this honor, this award. And yes, it's arbitrary. It's it's a fucking statue. But it means something. Mm. We place value in things. That's how we've always been. It's devastating. It is devastating. And um, no one could really understand how devastating it was because people are like, you just won an Oscar. It doesn't matter. But there was something so devastating to me about it. And I was in tears that whole, really, 
kind of like that whole night, I was in shock and I was in tears and I was, uh, I celebrated. Did you cry in front of her? No, I I um was in shock, and then um. Did you go- exchange any words with her after that? No, we go backstage and you have to do press interviews and the press interviews in these rooms, like the foreign press and all these different press rooms, but they're not watching the show. So they didn't know what happened, so they didn't ask us one question. I was like, how can this be? How can they organize? How can they, they not be watching it on their computers? They're all sitting there, like a hundred of them with their laptops open in a room. No one has a live stream? No, they're not paying attention. They're writing. I don't know what they're doing. No one asks us any questions about it. No one even knows until after. So not until my phone rang and it was like, I don't know, Salon or whoever it was. And I and I was talking to them that I um, that I realized that, you know, and then and then and then even then didn't quite sort of register with me until the next morning when um I think it was the Ryan Seacrest show woke me up and said, um, and it's funny because it was an old friend of mine who was the executive producer of the Ryan Seacrest show, and he was like, you're the biggest story of the Oscars. You got to you gotta come on the show tonight. And then I was like, uh-oh, and then all hell broke loose. It was like, because then every, my, I was like, how do all these people get my cell phone number? It was right. kind of crazy. And then, I, and then all of a sudden, you know, the PR people, the marketing people from HBO, then get involved, and it's a big call and a strategy, you know. And it's like you're in the middle of this storm. And then it was crazy because I was like, I remember I had a, um, I had a meeting at CAA that next day. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw, but the New York Times was trailing me that night. So there was an article in the style section with me holding the Oscar saying, Roger Ross Williams has arrived. And um, and I was arriving at the governor's ball with Prudence. And um, the next day I was going to go, and the CAA was near the hotel we were staying at, and I was just going to walk. Right. Um, and they were like, you can't, the hotel people were like, you can't walk. And I was like, why? They are like, there's tons of paparazzi. There was tons of paparazzi and TMZ, and they were all. And the thing, thing about the paparazzi, which is which I'm, which is so interesting, is they're so nice. So they were like, Roger, how do you, Roger? Hey, hi, hey, hey, hi, Roger. How do you feel? And I was looking for any kind of like, you know, like the press people were like, you can't talk to them. You get in the car. Don't talk to the PR. Don't talk to the the paparazzi. It was like it was so. It was such an interesting. It was like a little tiny peek into the window of celebrity. Right. <laughs> uh, I imagine no documentary short filmmaker has had that experience. No, no, um, and you know it put me on the map in such a big way because everyone wanted to talk about it. Um, you know, I'm I'm talking like funders and and everyone knew and people. You know, I mean, that's how I, my next film got made because a major funder came up to me at a, people invited me to like, you know, like retreats and stuff. So I was at a retreat and this, someone came up and said, I was at the Oscars and I saw what happened. You handled that so well. And what are you working on next? <laughs> and that's how God Loves Uganda started. Does it feel like that was pity? Um... I felt no, I didn't feel like it was pity. I felt like it was like Are they capitalizing on the media circus? I don't know if that was it as much as they recognized me and they were like you know, the it's an incredible amount of pressure and and anyone you would have I was very much aware that a billion people were watching and I was like hold it together. Um 
hold your own and bring it back to prudence in the end. Got, you've got to somehow find a way to jump in there and that's what you do, you bring it back to prudence because I had arranged for the cameras. to. I wanted to bring prudence to the stage if we won and I arranged for the cameras to be there filming prudence. And so I had talked to the producers. I got there early to make sure the camera was set up, that they right. had the right shot, and so that Prudence, it would cut to Prudence. And so they got to cut to Prudence. And, um, and I think that, that, you know, I was getting so many, like, industry-wise, those people were like, wow, that was amazing how you handled that. Wow, you're increasing. It was just great. I was getting all this uh, attention. And now you're going back. I'm going back. Which is, you know, again... In in 10 days? uh, Yeah. And again, I wanted to get back there to prove something because I didn't get to make that speech. And so I... For me, I was like, I'm going to get back there someday and I'm going to get to talk and um, and no one's going to run up and interrupt me. Um, I'm going to change... My producer, Julie Goldman, is like the most amazing like she's the best producer Mm. like i i went to the best producer in the documentary world truly every i said to everyone who's the best producer working today in documentary right i said julie goldman julie goldman julie goldman Goldman." everyone told me that and then i so i went to julie goldman i was like i want to work with you i want to work with the best she's like oh i don't know i don't know what what happened up there and i was like and i was like um you know and she's like it we were on our fourth film together um, two shorts, two features, and uh, it's been like a dream. And like, and I've had the most incredible, creative working experience with everyone I've worked with now. And I'm like, wow, this is what it's like at another level. Right. You know, I was just that was my first film. I didn't know anything. It's the people saying you're too ambitious. This woman interrupted you mid-speech. You said, no, I'm not going to let this be the thing that people remember me by. And I'm going to work harder to get back there. In the face of rejection or in the face of something being taken away, this is your go-to response. That's who I am. I I like you knock me down. I get back up and fight harder. Um, I've had to do that my whole life. That's that's just, that is who I am. And... Um, to come back in the feature category, I, you know, uh, but I'm going to be back with best picture. I'm telling you, mark my words. <laughs> I, believe you. Um, I just keep getting back up. I mean, I had to do that my whole life growing up. I had to, I had to ignore the surroundings. I had to ignore the cards I was dealt and I had to fight and overcome things. And I'm, and I continue and people are like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that story. I've heard that story. You know, overcoming. Sure, uh, sure. Um, but that's my story, and that's that was my reality. And I'm gonna. And then no matter how many times people call me too ambitious or, um, uh, you know, um, oh, you know, yeah, he's he. I'm out. I'm out here for a year. You know, going to festivals and, and right. meeting people and campaigning and screening and and I and I. I do that because I have that drive. I have that like little boy, like Roger, that little rejected boy, like saying, don't look past me. Do you think you'll be happy if you win? I will be very happy if I win, but I will immediately start working on the next goal. (laughs) 
which would be to win Best Picture. You know, it could be another seven years, but... And if you lose? If I lose, I will um, dust myself off and get back up and keep... You know, we're all... To be nominated... You know, every level you get to so when you to be nominated especially in this year and these these, uh, you know an amazing slate of films um nominated um is like incredible honor i know that sounds like cheesy but that's like but like it really is and i just wanted to get nominated and i was an honor you know, everything was on shortlist. I was like, I just want to get to shortlist. And if I get to shortlist, I don't need anything else. I don't mm. need to be nominated. Then you get to, no- and then you're like, and then you get nominated. Like, well, I just want, it. and then you want, I'm sorry, so of course you want to win. Maybe you'd be lying if you said you didn't want to win. But right. if I don't win, um, that's not going to stop me. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to keep making films and I'm going to keep telling the stories that I think are important to tell. Yeah. And, um, and I think if you tell stories you you personally are passionate about, that you are connected to, that you that you cannot, you, the only thing you can do is tell those stories, then you're gonna always win because people will see that, people will understand that, and that is something I I I um will always do. I know we have to go, so all all I wanted to say, <laughs> you just gave a big eye roll. I know. It's, I know. My publicist is uh, it's okay. rushing me out. I I um <laughs> I just want you to know that whatever happens in two is it two weeks? It's yeah. It's like yeah. Ten, ten days from ten now. Ten days from now. Uh, I hope you feel valued, man. Yeah. I don't mean to get too emotional, but I I hope you feel however it shapes out. You don't need the statue to to remind you that you're worth something. Yeah. And. uh and that's significant. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I realize I do, and I realize that, and I um, and uh, um, I'm okay now. I'm okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll be okay regardless. Okay. Good. <laughs> thank, uh, you. thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's a joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. Special thanks to Teresa DiMartino and the folks at the Orchard, Margaret Gordon and Rebecca Fisher. Also, Disney for letting us record in some makeshift employee-type library. I don't know what it was, but it was very comfortable. And we thank you for letting us uh, record an episode of the podcast there. You can watch Roger's latest film, Life Animated, over on Amazon Prime now. And if all goes well, you may see Roger on your television the night of the Oscars, Sunday, February 26th, accepting a golden statue. If you enjoyed today's episode with Roger, you may enjoy past conversations with documentarians like Margaret Brown, Steve James, or Bill and Turner Ross, smart, insightful filmmakers working today. Also, if you thought the last 45 minutes was time well spent, wasn't horrible, was fairly above average, do consider writing a review of the podcast on iTunes. I've noted it in the past repeatedly. I'm sure people are tired of hearing about it at this point. I'm certainly tired of saying it, but... All the same, reviews that are even one or two sentences long, even a few words, um, and clicking those stars really does help new people find the podcast, and we appreciate your support on that front. Speaking of, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop me a line about anything in the show, 
positive, negative, ambivalent, feel free to do so at sam at talkeasypod.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod.com, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. Our music this week, as it is every week, is by Jin Sang and Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer. And the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week. You may be one of the first people to come on the show that has also listened to the show in the past. I love the show. Yeah, well, well, you were. (laughs) I don't know. You're you're such a good interview. I mean, like you just you just delve delve so deep into um, into people's lives and their stories and their creative process, and it's just like. And I'm not even a podcast listener. Like I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, and I just. I'm now addicted. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry and me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.